Hello! We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today on my panel I have Lindsay... Secret Tunnel! Corey, or not Corey, Charles. Uh, hello. I can't follow that I up. Do not, I do not have Charles, I do not have Corey, unfortunately. I'm just not even in the right mind right now. I do not have Corey. He is somewhere else. But in, in his place, I have a very special guest. I'd like to welcome Matt. Hey, yo. So as we do with all guests, first and foremost, let's uh, talk to Matt. So Matt, what is your experience with Avatar The Last Airbender? I would say it was a formative experience through my entire childhood. I remember playing Zoo Tycoon and having lions eating all of my zoo-goers while watching the finale of season one of Avatar The Last Airbender because it was awesome. And that is my best and favorite memory of my Katang experience. That's That's not bad. Okay. All right. Uh, oh yeah, just important because because we we everyone uh, has to avail their um, their loyalties. What is your OTP on this show? Uh, do, 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 let's see. I'm personally a fan of the Toph and Sokka. Okay, no, but specifically regarding Katara, because that's the one that we'll argue about. Uh, Katara annoys me, and I think she deserves to be the old lady in an igloo in the South Pole with no <laughs> friends or family. God damn it. Delia. What is with my guests hating Katara? She, we have a new Delia. What the? I don't know what I'm, no, I'm just. I'm she done. deserves to live alone in an igloo with no friends or family right, because am, she is. I'm canceling this show. Pretty terrible. I'm done. All right. Well, I'm done. Great but episode, guys. On that note. Remember, Woo. I know where you live. I will find you. <laughs> okay. So with that, let's uh, let's kick things off with our episode discussion. Um, we have a guest, so Matt, why don't you give us, uh, starting off, what is your initial thoughts on this uh, episode, The Cave of Two Lovers? Oh, I didn't actually say that during the intro. We're talking about The Cave of Two Surprise. Lovers. Too. This episode's off to a brilliant start. I didn't write a script. All right, Matt, go ahead. Initial thoughts. Cave of Two Lovers. Go. My initial thought is that this episode is basically one giant foreshadowing of all of season two. Every single okay. thing that happens in season two from the from the first episode to the last episode can be traced pretty much through this entire episode. Okay. That's an interesting observation, Matthew. Yes. We will we will certainly talk about it. Um, Charles, why don't you go ahead? What is what are your initial thoughts? Um I, I said this in our pre talk before the show, but uh, before I rewatched the episode, I honestly forgot that there was a portion with uh, Iroh and Suko, and a portion with Sokka and the band of hippies slash high people slash uh, those people. I forgot there was yep. actually a part of the episode about them. All I remembered was the uh, Ang Katara stuff, which is uh, a shame because it meant I forgot the song. Uh, I mean, it's alright, it's an episode. I don't mind it. I'm not a Katang shipper. Although it's a Kanchi. I'm not a Katang shipper, so it's. It wasn't a fun episode for me, but it's decent all in all. 
So because I'm All new right. here and I'm going to pretend I haven't listened to anything and I'm an absolute noob, who are you shipping? Uh, I don't really have a ship. I, I, I love to say Zhu Kang and watch Mark get kind of flustered. <laughs> but, uh... I've gotten over that. Damn it. You, you, you need will, something you else. You will not trigger me with that. If you want to trigger me, we have to talk about lava bending. It's the only way you're going to get that. Lava bending. We can save that. How about Butara? Yeah, I, I believe in Butara. I think the age gap is just perfect. It's just about 100 years. Hmm. It's on point. Have you seen that old man's muscles? He's so... <laughs> He's so small. I'm not, make, I'm not making it through this episode without killing myself. No, look, she makes such an effort to go back to Omashu to see him. To see her so... one true love. No, no, Sokka makes the fucking effort. Ooh, Busaka. That aside, we will get to that when we talk about the, the end of the episode discussion. Linz, initial thoughts this episode, other than Secret Tunnel. Do you have any other initial thoughts? And I. <laughs> Um, no, that's, but that's, going that's off good. of that, like um, this episode is honestly one of my favorite episodes, and even Mark, I know that when I first, when you found out, you were just like, but Lindsay, why the hell do you like it? This is like the top rated episode for supporting, um, Katang, and I was, and honestly, it's just a really fun episode, and I love, love, love the, uh, I almost called them Mormons. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I almost said that. Sorry. I love the nomads. Oh, that's on the level of Sky Bison Polo. <laughs> the nomads are my favorite with the spontaneous song. Like, they're in their own little world, and, like, I'm just so curious also on how they're getting anywhere in life and not dying. Especially at that one part where they're just like, oh, yeah, we, ha- we have uh, five of these lanterns, so that's ten, and it lights them all up, and Sokka's like, that's not how it works, and they're just like, oh, yeah. So, like, it, it just adds a really comedic effect. I like it, and it's such a great contrast with uh, putting them with Sokka, and I just love that whole relationship dynamic between them and the spontaneous singing. So, yeah. Great. Okay. So, so I, on one hand, I love this episode, and not even for the Katang stuff, and and we'll talk about it, and you know, obviously, you know, I, I and I, I actually am probably not as much of a Katang shipper as I come off a lot of times on the show because I happen to be the only one, so I just kind of passionately defend things. And You're not don't passionate have about things. But, but. All in all, like, I have some serious, serious problems with this episode. Like, there are things about it that are actually, like, really kind of troubling and upsetting. But at the same time, everything that Lindsay said about the nomads and the songs and and just the, like, tone of this episode and and, and the style is just phenomenal. And, like, there's just some stuff to love. And I I don't know. It's, like, it's weird because last week we kind of talked about an episode that was very... it had problems with me tonally. It had problems like fitting into the right spot. But the the Iroh and, and Zuko stuff was so good that I was like, well, it's fine. It's still a really good episode. Just the Aang stuff is troubling. This episode's like weird because like I kind of have problems with every single part of the episode. 
but I still kind of love it, and I and, and I kind of want to. To be honest, like I don't have a real rating yet yet for this episode. I'm gonna like kind of work through that as we discuss because I'm really like not sure how exactly I feel. But there are some things I like and some things I I really don't like. So we will we'll start off get into our episode discussion and, and kick things off. We 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 open with uh, Sokka, Katara, and Aang kind of you know in the water Doing hanging out, thing. and I. I think this is a very important scene um, just for the fact that we get to see Katara being Aang's teacher. And, like, we, we, we heard about it last episode at the very beginning when Paku says to, uh, you know, Aang, like, you know, it's the scrolls are no substitute for a real instructor and looks at Katara. Like, we, we've heard that Katara is going to be the teacher. Now we actually get to see it and we get to see that, you know, her adjusting the stances. And, and obviously that part of that is just to sort of play into the romance epi- aspects of this episode. But I like that... Th- in many ways, this was a scene that was also there to, like, generate this. Katara is Aang's teacher. Let's see it. Let's see how good Katara is, how good Aang is in terms of mm-hmm. waterbending. And it, it speaks to something that I, I think I've said it on numerous occasions on the show, but I really like when they have scenes that have multiple purposes. Like, yes, if you were to ask me what's the direct purpose of the scene, it's so that Katara can touch Aang and Aang can blush. But it has it does other things, and that's just good, dense storytelling, and I like that a lot. And it also goes to show that Katara is, once again, a badass. Yes. yes mm-hmm. That is important. That cannot be lost. If only someone could tell that to the person who opened the show by saying they don't like Katara. Like, <laughs> if only there was a way to teach them this idea that Katara is a badass. I happen to think that she is somewhat annoying. Whether or not that discredits her badassery... That is up to the listener to decide, but she's a badass, but she's also an annoying badass. Because people here are allowed to have multiple roles. No. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Only one no. Lindsay's in charge. Um. So. Once the um. Once the we we start hearing the our first song from the Nomads, I actually kind of like. It's something kind of funny about their first song being like "Don't Fall in Love with the Traveling Girl," mm-hmm. which is like the actually like kind of sound advice, like you know she's gonna leave you, she's gonna break your heart. Um, and but I just love that introduction that like you just you just hear this like fun song in this group Coming walking off in the by distance. and they <laughs> and they come in and they're just like totally ridiculous and total perfect they're comedy. They're just living like, their life. They're just nomading around. I'm so proud of them. Somehow. And I'll, I'll say this in response to all so of my like, oh my god, comedy. I hate the comedy in this episode. I hate the comedy in that episode. This episode, the comedy is absolutely on point. It is perfectly fit in with the tone mm-hmm. of the episode. And I'm like, this is when Avatar does comedy well. So I don't hate comedy. I just hate poorly timed. Yeah, th- this episode in particular, comedy. I think that's why I like it so much is like you mentioned, the comedy in this is just really well done from the whole comedy aspect of bouncing off of Sokka, like that's one of my some of my favorite moments. But then also even the moment of when they're being like, "Oh, we have to do what's best for Appa," and then they're just like, "Ah!" Like, nope, secret tunnel by. Like it just the toning yep. of this whole episode is just very well done, and it fits perfectly. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um. But to counter that, oh no, Matt, were you saying something? Nope. <laughs> I guess. I thought you said wait, something. wait. How do they not nope. run the blockade? Well, we're not there yet. Let's let's finish. Let's go to the IR stuff, and I'll get to that. Um. So 
the one thing though that like realistically I do not like about this episode at all is everything that happens with Iroh and Zuko. Um, I know there's a great meme that comes from this scene with the, the, the deadly poison or delectable tea, but I just, Iroh is not a bumbling idiot. I know sometimes he comes off that way, but he's not. And like, as for someone who truly seems to love tea, like love it more than anything else, shouldn't he know these things? Like this, this strikes me as like, comedy for comedy's sake and you know not to come now to come off of my like i don't like comedy i don't know i just that isn't iroh's character like i understand the yes iroh sometimes is a little bumbling is a little bit like you know the crazy old man but he's not the i'm just gonna eat something random and not be cautious like i don't know do you guys agree with that I still stick with my earlier statement that this episode is foreshadowing the entire season over the course of about 20 minutes. Okay, so what is this foreshadowing? It's basically, I think it's foreshadowing kind of the way that Iroh and Zuko go back and forth, that that Iroh is thinking how Zuko is going to act, and then in the long run, Zuko's like, yeah, nope, bye. Okay, I mean, I, I can see that, and I can see that with the way Zuko acts, especially. But would you yeah. agree, would you that, agree that this doesn't like this is just not? It's Iroh, Iroh, uh, this is honestly, really? I think, more about how Zuko reacts to Iroh than about Iroh, about how Iroh actually acts. So Iroh is like, this could be one thing, this could be the other thing, and he clearly wants it to be the T, being the more peaceful of the options. And then Zuko's just like, you're a fool. And then in the and then at the end of the episode, which I'm jumping way ahead here. But at the end of the yeah. episode, yeah, Zuko's like, you would just have the Avatar, bye, I'm going to find that. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 under, I understand what you're saying, and I can I can see that uh, on Zuko's side. I just, I don't know. There's there's something about, like, Iroh drinking poisonous tea that just seems just not, like, very out of I character. I mean, like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I also just kind of take it as, like, it's one of those things where, like you mentioned, like they, it's two plants look exactly alike. The the only thing that bothers me about that is if there's so much risk, then why would you take that risk? Not even the well, they yeah, that too. But I I didn't put too much thought into it. He just really wants I don't know. to. I I. I... I guess because at the end of the day, like I know it is really small, but this is kind of like a major like plot thing when you think about like all that happens with these two throughout the season like them getting that ostrich horse is a pretty darn big deal and i don't know i just it it felt very off to me and i'm like to me iroh is the type of person who would know the tiniest minute differences between the tea and the poison like that's that seems like what i would think of when i think of iroh does it uh I mean, this is a guy who considers tea, you know, his line is being sick of tea. That's like being sick of breathing. Yeah, but I I always had Iroh as like a, in my opinion, as more like a strategist than a, um, uh, God damn it, I don't have a comparison. Basically, like a macro-oriented person rather than a micro-oriented person. Mm-hmm. Like, he okay. sees big things more clearly than he, he sees, sees the little things. He sees the bigger things. picture than focusing on the details, really. But 
But by that logic, why is he drinking the, the, the thing if he thinks it might be poison? He really wants to. I don't know, he just wants some tea. Well, here's a depressing version of this. He's nothing to live for. <laughs> That's an interesting question. That fundamentally changes this and makes me think that men like completely changes the episode. Oh for me. I had not thought of that at all. <laughs> I mean, other than Zuko, who well. uh, let's be honest, there's not <laughs> there's some for. tension does there ex- now. It does fundamentally explain away why the ending that I think is really like also really terrible because I don't. We're just gonna jump to the ending because uh, we're not? here. <laughs> like, I don't. I really didn't like that, like, Iroh was okay with stealing yeah. the Oscar's horse. Like, that was, like, not his character at all in any way. But if you play it through the lens of, like, Iroh literally doesn't have anything to live for and, like, kind of doesn't care, that changes things a lot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want to think about that throughout the episode, and, and we'll come back to this when we get to the end. Say, that is definitely it's interesting point. Thanks for the uh, deep thinking of the night, Charles. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, just a wow. lot. They're kind of in a, especially after the last episode, they're in a really shitty situation. And yeah, they, they are. If, depending on how active or inactive you assume the White Lotus is at this point, that there might not actually be. Well, if you assume they're like super active, then there's something. But if not, then there might not be anything left for Ira right now. Yeah. Well, that's going to be my question: yeah. is how much faith do you think he has in the White Lotus? But yeah, that depends on how active is the White Lotus pre. It, de- it depends on if you believe in Lindsay's grand White Lotus Illuminati Listen, theory. The Illuminati is real in the Grand Lotus in the White Lotus Society. Okay, it's, it's happening. No, they're real, but mm-hmm. then it's how much does Iroh believe in them at this point in time? <laughs> and are they a? <laughs> Chess club, or are they a military arm? Like military chess club. Why not both? Pretty different thing. Uh, yeah, but all right. Um, no, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting to think about, and we'll 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 come back to that as we as we go through, or we'll dissect it as we go through Iroh and Zuko's story. Um, but we switch back to Ang and or the gang, and and we do like what's interesting also is you get this like nice sort of thing with them talking to Sokka about destination fever and how Sokka needs to like kind of enjoy the journey and not the um and not the destination and what I think is like that 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 line is very interesting to me for a couple reasons one I feel like that's one of the things that makes Avatar so great is the journey because if you look at like the macro like yeah did we all kind of think the story was going to end with Aang fighting the Fire Lord and winning like yeah that was probably what we all thought from day one but what makes this show great is the destination, and I think to some, or is the the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. And I think to some degree, like that's kind of like one of those times when when Mike and Brian kind of turn to the audience. I don't actually know who wrote this episode, but um, I'm just going to say Mike and Brian, for lack of a better, the creative team behind the show, um, kind of turning to the audience and being like, "This is like this is how to enjoy enjoy the show," and I think that that's really interesting. And I'm also going to throw out there that Sokka with the map and the squiggles and all that stuff is, once again, foreshadowing that everything that they're going to do is going to end up with them just getting lost and always having to go three steps further than they normally would have to, then having a roundabout, and just having an entire mess instead of having a straight line to the destination and solving all their problems straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the other side of this that's interesting is 
while I like I understand why the line is there, it's also kind of like no, they need to get to Omashu. Like for for Sokka Ang and Katara right now, they need to get to Omashu and have Ang start learning Earthbending. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, what is the the theme of book one for us was Ang get your shit together, and it's like kind of a little bit of like another moment of that. Yeah. Like guys. Get your asses to Omashu. I mean, I understand they obviously have to because of the blockade and, and yada, yada, yada. But, like, you know, gotta, let's, let's go, guys. I mean, also at this point, Aang hasn't really changed since the beginning of the first season. Whereas he's still that kid who just wants to have fun and mess around and do silly stuff like hang out in a underground tape uh, maze with a bunch of hippies who just sing songs and play music. Listen, that right there is, like, life goals for me. Yeah, but I don't know. Last week, like, Avatar State was kind of the Aang has realized he has a job to do and kind of has gotten his shit together. Like, I, I don't, this is not a, this is not episode is not a, like, fuck Aang, he's, he's useless as per usual. Like, I think it's fine. It's more of, like, the, like, just the message of the episode as opposed uh-huh. to, like, what they need to actually be doing. I mean, in uh, in support of Aang, like they they actually do try and you know go to Rexley first. Yo, no, yeah, that no, that that's why I'm saying like I'm not like I'm not. This is not a I'm mad at Aang thing. This is more of like I just like that the episode is like all about you need to deal with the destination, you need to deal with the journey and not the destination. Don't worry about Omashu. Let's just get there. When it's like, no, guys, get there. Like that's what matters. It just I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting mm-hmm. like. Like, kind of, like, the tone of the episode versus the tone of the characters. Well, that could also go with why they separated off the characters the way that they did. Granted, there's the whole, like, the two lovers thing, like, Jigger, which goes into the whole theme of the episode. But Aang and Katara were the ones who, and obviously Sokka, but Sokka was on a whole other level with the hippies. And then Aang and Katara was like, you mm-hmm. should probably just go. And then yep. they had the whole eventual kiss with the light crystals that lead the way, like other Avatar movie, because they can. So mm-hmm. they combined the Avatars because James Cameron was totally on top of his game. Except this was first, so... That's why James Cameron you know. was on top of his game. <laughs> yeah. If you catch um, Yeah. So... So we get. So we also we get the uh, the the first first appearance of. I'm gonna let Linz take it away. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel, secret 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 tunnel. Which is foreshadowing the blind bandit. Killing it. All right. Or they just want to sing yeah, a song about go. a secret tunnel. They they did. Um, so another, a, a quick question, cause, cause it's obviously very sort of speaking, but do you guys think that the, the blockade and everything was kind of like a good bit of foreshadowing for the fact that Omashu has been taken over? You know what? I did not even put that together before, but it all makes sense now as to why the Fire Nation would even be like in that area. Cause they've been there before and they weren't there before. So yeah, I'm going to continue. Like I, that, I just kind of thought that's yes, myself. I agree with said statement. Okay. Seeing as the whole like foreshadowing thing is what I'm going for for this entire episode. Yes. No, what I have to wonder is mm-hmm. how did this happen? Mm-hmm. 
What do you mean by this? Them take over Omashu? Yeah, we, we just... Okay, first we, we know Boomy's fucking around, and obviously that's part of it, but it's not like uh, the gang passed through here like a really long time ago, and then this happens during the course of time. But we're, we're saying that they're back here in a few months, tops. It, it has to be less than a year, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I It's an interesting discussion, but one I want to wait for next week when we do return to Omashu. Right. Talk more about more, it. Yeah, it just, it's just easier to put all that stuff together. Um, we switch back over and just, I mean, my notes just literally say, oh, God, Iroh, please stop. Just just stop. Um, the, the the second thing with the berries, and I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll continue on Iroh, but I don't, this scene just kind of, meh, whatever. Although I do, I, I do kind of, the line with Azula is pretty mm-hmm. funny, and it is an interesting bit of like, well, yeah, they feel they, they fear Azula more than they fear the Earth Kingdom, and you know, it kind of does have a nice little shout out to like the one of Azula's iconic lines at the end of Book Three when she says, um, you know, you should have feared me more um, to uh, May, and that's just an interesting like. Mm-hmm. I just kind of I, I just kind of like that like you can see like how much the fear of Azula is just such a yeah big deal. I think it's a really good way also of like further emphasizing like just how powerful and fearful of a person she is too because obviously she was in the last episode but then for them to literally be like hmm so do we risk dying at the hands of the enemy or do we just go to Azula yeah I'll better risk death than going to her like it just Iron <laughs> yeah it just yeah. It, it can all, it just tells so much about her as a person and I think that subtle line just it's really well placed well because I forget mm-hmm. how much of a taste of Azula do you have in the episode prior to this because I know you see her very briefly at the end of season one you have the whole you have the entire scene with her uh, trying to ca- trying to take Zuko and Iroh back and then they end up realizing at the very end that they're being captured and end up running mm-hmm. away and Ira redirects her like but this is also so we've, the we've met time, we now this know is also the first taste you have of her actually interacting with someone as a trying to not seem like a totally sadistic maniac yeah because you know the song that's like I'm a maniac maniac is totally accurate because that is about Azua her <laughs> in the grand scheme of things I mean yep. she Comes more crazy over as time the goes on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and granted, she, she also is like a total perfectionist. You could make a pretty solid argument that at this point she's unhinged but not unstable. I, I don't even know if it's unhinged. Like, I feel like she's just yes, she's cruel, but she's put together. Like she she, she knows um, what she wants and knows what to do. The, the perfectionist thing, you can see the little crack She's there. a perfectionist, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's completely a perfectionist and will is prone to crack at any moment. Yeah, all right. All right, so two two fun, quick questions. Um, How exactly does the Fire Nation know this song? Did that seem weird to anyone else? I, I kind of thought that, too. And, I, and at the same time, I was also thinking, wow... This song is so well known that the Fire Nation is willing to stop their pursuit of the Avatar because they are afraid of a mountain from the song. And also, to, 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 to piggyback on Matt's theory about setting things up, it kind of sets up the whole, like, 
next episode with the Pentapox and how they just like convince an entire like government that everyone's dying because of like this disease yeah. they made up. So yeah, because in the entire episode they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. That's totally deadly. Whereas, okay, congratulations, some sort of smart thirteen-year-old may have just come up with it on the spot because sick. Yeah. Um, then the other question I have to ask, and I might ask this again, but how exactly have these people not died? Oh, the hippies? Yeah, uh, how? I, they have I the am... Love peace, man. I am amazed that they are still alive, and I think that's what makes me love them even more. <laughs> uh, they are... They are it's, it's, it's impressive that they're still alive, but, like, god damn. Because they just have My the life fave. force on their side. They have the they power, are, they the are my, the strength. That, that belief in the heart I'm, of the I'm cards. I'm going to exactly. say the nomads in this episode are, for me, like ideal squad goals. <laughs> that's that's what yes. you want? Just, just singing as, as, as you walk around? I just want to sing about badger moles and secret tunnels while just wandering around, living my life however I feel like, with no judgment at all. Like, that's an amazing thing. There you go. They they do not give a no, fuck. No, they don't, and that's how everyone thinks. should live their life. Wandering around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Just doing as the wind blows. Yep. I like it. So, Iroh and Zuko go in to, to get some ointment for uh, Iroh's... Ooh, ointment! Uh, whatever we want to call it. Um, wow, Iroh was... That was a savage burn. The, when he With his line, when, when he says, you know, calls uh, Zuko Jr., like, whoa! I, I didn't think That's it was that Zuko's big skin. of a burn. I thought they were just making fun of each other's names. But specifically on Zuko, like saying like you were named after your father, oh. like that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's where, pretty that's like burn comes in, not by just well, calling him junior. I, I, I was oblivious the... there. <laughs> that's how to get like under Zuko's skin, man. But I mean, also at this point, it's still early enough in the show where he's still trying to impress his father and get back into the goodwill of him. As opposed to saying, oh, yeah. screw you, you're a monster, and I despise your guts because you're a beast. No, it's it's not a burn in the, I'm comparing you to your father, he's a terrible person. It's more of a, like, everyone calls him Junior like his father, which is, like, what Zuko wants. He wants to be considered in the image of his father. But that also gives him some hope, if you're looking at it this way, that he can still be like his father and return with because he's at this point he's been searching for the avatar for but so long has failed to catch him already is, is is zuko's not much of an optimist though but i mean when someone gives you a little bit of a hint especially mm. when iroh despite his idiocracy in this episode as we've discussed he is a bit of a respected fella come the fire peoples mm-hmm. um the other question is is that girl flirting with zuko I don't. I I debate whether or not she's flirting or if she's just being like a nice, friendly person. Cause I never got it until this watch, but on this watch, I started to get the. She flirting with him. Mm, I could. I mean, I'm with Lindsay. I think she's just trying to be nice. I definitely could see. I can see some people taking it, it as flirting. That way. I mean, I don't think it's, like, full-on, like, I'm trying to get with you at this exact moment. 
I, I consider it, I uh, me per because I understand why, why people might think that, but I considered it more as like there's these two strangers. The uncle probably, you know what, Uncle Iroh, after eating the poisonous lotus flower, probably is not in the best shape to keep on traveling today. So, um, and these people clearly aren't from around here. So, why not be like, yeah, like come over for dinner. Like, just I'll I'll give you some place to stay for a little bit. Like. Have some fresh food, because God knows how long it's been since you've had some of that. Like, I don't know. And then even as she mentions later on, like, how her and her mother were refugees. So she's familiar with the idea mm-hmm. of being displaced. So then offering also, that type of... Because, com- so, like, offering some kind of, like, compassion she, or warmth to it. Like, But also as she talks... She says that she has the burn from the Fire Nation, and obviously so does Zuko. So that right there is something for them to kind Some of, kind of connection, yeah. trust on with her thinking that Zuko's actually a refugee and not a idiot on some forsaken mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that's my thought. I, I think she was just trying to be a compassionate, nice person. I'm with Lindsay. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's, it's fine. I, I don't think it's totally clear-cut. Mm-hmm. I just... I got a little bit of a hint. No, I, I can understand why, but yeah. So once, uh, so we're in the in the cave. We get uh, we get an appearance of a very important animal. We get we get some wolf bats, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Tano. <laughs> um, and yes, and of course, also look at what you did, Tapa. Like, what 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 were you doing? And Appa just goes crazy, and bad things happen, and. We have a great sing-along, though, so everything's fine. Firebending bad. Make opera hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Fire bad. Fire bad. Underground bad. <laughs> um, all right, so one one thing I think that I probably the, I you know, definitely the best part of this episode for me was the scene once Aang and Katara enter the tomb. Um, the lighting on the scene itself is really well done. It sets the mood perfectly. And I absolutely adore the drawings on uh, when they tell the story, the story of Oma and Shu. I, 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 the style, like how it's stylized, it's so perfect. And I just want to let Linz talk on this one. I honestly think that but aside from the comedic effect of my favorite Nomad Party, the, this scene, honestly is probably one of the reasons why I like this episode the best. It's just so beautifully well done with the calligraphy style from ancient Chinese scroll paintings. And it just has such a beautiful flow to it. And it's so interesting to see this type of style being used in animation because it's it, it takes so much skill to be able to make it flow so nicely while looking like so like natural and like so artistic and the color choices in it were just so nice and they had such good use of line work especially in the characters and I was just so happy with it and it was beautiful and I really like it and I But also yeah. if I remember correctly this is once again foreshadowing more so to season 3 because isn't with the uh the sea- the giant turtle island or the was it the lion turtle isn't it the same mm-hmm. animation as the lion turtle that they get at the end of season or towards the end of season three? I think what you're referring to is the the store the beginnings part one and two in book two of Legend of Korra, um, 
which uses a similar but not exactly the same style. No, what I'm referring to is shortly before the end of season three when the lion with the uh, yeah with the lion turtle when Aang is freaking out by having to kill Ozai. Yeah, but the lion turtle is used is the same animation as normal. Oh, I thought it was a different animation. Okay, never mind. Forget about, forget I said anything. I thought I remembered it being Sorry. more similar to this type of animation, just more colorful and. I mean, yeah, stylistically. I, the, re- I, I, the reason I said it, I, th- I think, because, because I, the hundred percent beginnings one and two uses the, 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 the different style, and there are lion turtles mm-hmm. in that. That's why I said, like, that's why I think you might be remembering that. Um, I don't know, Charles. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, stylistically, the design of the lion turtles is much closer to that like form of art, because that's actually. Um, an existing form like the, that was not you know developed specifically for the show. They adapted mm-hmm. an existing thing, and um, the like lion head part of the lion turtles is actually something that was drawn really often uh, in that. So there's some mm-hmm. like similar appearance stuff wise, but yeah, it wasn't. They weren't in the scene like completely stylized like that in. Uh, Avatar, to my recollection, until core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And beginnings one and two is an absolute masterpiece. So, I will, you know, that that's definitely like just this art style is just beautiful, really, really well done. And also, and also, um, the the music in this scene I thought it was also like totally beautiful. Like it it, it set that tone perfect with like it's it's romantic but in in that tragic way and in um in a very like it it it, i don't know i just i almost can't even put to words how much that that music just perfectly sets this the scene for this and in general this is a very good musical episode Mm -hmm. um i also think it's kind of nice that it ties everything together with omashu where like this is actually like the story of how this city that we're trying to get mm-hmm. to came apart, like came together, like a deeper meaning that, behind it's, it. Yeah, it's it's nice that that's that that's the case. Um, so obviously we get we get the little Ang Katara spat, and I don't really like this. It's pretty annoying. It's pretty like way too cliched for romantic protagonists like oh let's have them not kiss when everyone thinks they're going to because ang says something stupid and it's like god damn it ang don't do that but it doesn't last long so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it if Lindsay you want to take a shot at me for this go ahead well are we talking about that whole kiss thing right now or no the the not that the what if we kiss and then ang is an idiot the, oh no that's that's silly see i i honestly think that it's a totally reasonable reaction from him because he gets so flustered that that's just how he reacts because he obviously doesn't want her to know that he does like her like so I, I feel like that knowing Aang he's the type of person that just kind of says whatever just comes to his mind at first and so then when she's just like yeah so and he's like oh no 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 like I, I don't the know show like does significantly call out the fact that both of them blush very very heavily mm-hmm. which is impossible yes. to miss which is pretty uh, it's a pretty good call out to the fact that they're obviously going to kiss later and will most likely continue as a recurring theme throughout the show yes 
Um, all right, so we come to the end of Zuko and Iroh's story in this episode, and I mean, when I when I when I watched this and, and I wrote in my notes, like I unbelieve like hate this scene with Iroh going with, on, along with Zuko to steal the mm-hmm. ostr- ostr- ostrich torch. Like unbelievably, I think it's like totally out of character, nothing like Iroh mm-hmm. whatsoever, and really hate it. However, putting in Charles's perspective from the beginning of the episode. Or what he said at the beginning about maybe Iroh doesn't have, doesn't know what he's there to live for. Does kind of change my opinion a little bit. It's still weird. It's still out of character. But I, I guess you could make an argument that at this point Iroh is like, I've lost basically everything. I'm just going to have some fun and whatever. And if Zuko really wants to do this, I'm going to go along with what Zuko wants. And it really isn't until the chase that Iroh kind of realizes what his purpose is, and that's protecting and guiding Zuko in onto a righteous path. So if you look at it through that lens, it it does strengthen this a lot more and, and takes it away from just being like, wow, Iroh, what like what the hell were you doing? To Iroh is broken he's not going to be fixed for a while. Um, which also adds a lot more significance to his conversation with Toph, which is one of my favorite scenes of the book. Charles, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, it would also lend more credibility to, um, we were talking about earlier, when, um, uh, when Iroh called Zuko Jr. I was not really the type to poke at Zuko that much, or like, you know, mess with him that much. Like, e- even in the last episode, when they were in the massage parlor, we saw, like, that uh, he regretted what he said then. But you don't see any of mm-hmm. that now. <laughs> Which, yeah. to me, like, lent more force to the argument that all right, maybe he's just not considering these things anymore because he doesn't care. And then because of that, yeah, like you yeah. said, um, a lot of the rest of the book uh, gains significance because of that perspective so i I like that interpretation Mm -hmm. but uh admittedly it is you know pretty open to speculation yeah i just i i I want to kind of go off of this and related to this but also kind of going off just a little tiny bit also back to zuko because i i definitely agree Mm -hmm. with you mark is that having zuko be like well come on aren't you coming and iroh's just like okay it's definitely out of character for him and I think one of the biggest disappointments of this episode was at one point Zuko had a really good moment with that girl and I feel bad because I don't remember her name but when they're talking together and don't I don't what, they're having that deep like, kind of deep conversation about like the Fire Nation hurt you it's okay they hurt me too and she shows him and he has this look of surprise and shock and almost like a type of sadness almost that sees that and there was a brief moment where I thought okay so Zuko obviously knows what the Fire Nation does but to have this first person experience seeing a person that really suffered through it I kind of had a hope that maybe it might not automatically change him but give him some sort of effect and so then at the end for him to be like well we're stealing it bye like that I was really angry at that 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 mm-hmm. whole 
I was angry yeah. at both of those characters, both Iroh and Zuko, for that type of reaction. I mm-hmm. don't have to say my opinion because you guys already know what I'm going to say. Secret tunnel! Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's do a quick, let's do a quick straw poll. I don't know if you've ever actually done one of these before. Didang and Katara kiss. Yes or no? No. Blins. Charles. Probably, yeah. I'm going with no. Matt. I'm going with no. Oh, what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I, I'm just. I want to. I want to kid people's opinions on that, but I don't. Want, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, they will kiss later. We'll Listen, you don't have to tell us every bad thing that happens in life. Okay, we know. I no, do, you don't. It's, it's my. No, job. No, it's not. It's my job. I'm just Hashtag going to. Your job is to go help campaigning. Okay. Love, not that they have to act upon love. Mm, yes, that is true. Um. Also, I uh, absolutely adore Badger Malls. I think they're like, the song aside, which Blinz is going to give a quick rendition of. Dig the big Badger Mall. (laughs) I don't know what I just sang. I'm sorry. Not exactly the right lyrics, but (laughs) that's fine. It's the thought that counts, okay? It's the effort that matters in this episode. It's the effort that matters. Um, but I, I think they're just like a really cool uh, mix of animals, um, and like adding in like obviously all the stuff with earthbending, them being the first earthbenders is really cool, and then uh, you know that ends up being such a, so important for teaching Toph, um, which is really you know just a great great thing, and I think they like it just it's just a really well mm-hmm. crafted combination animal. Um, yeah. So I really I, just I, I thought it was that. really interesting. Are- Sorry, I thought I thought it was a really interesting way of introducing the badger moles specifically, as because we know that this season we're going to get more into earthbending. So it was a really cool way of showing the where earthbending comes from, especially because last say, season. One of my favorite things about this show is the fact is the way that they combine the two animals, which is a recurring theme that happens throughout the seasons, and even except for the random bear. <laughs> yeah, and then just the random nope. bear, which is like, "Hello, look at me!" Like, just, but just also a bear. It's a, a nice differentiation between season one and season two, when the source of water bending via the moon or mm-hmm. the spirit of the moon, you don't meet until the second to last episode or third to last episode of season one. Whereas the source of earth bending, you meet the second episode of season two. So it's kind of it's a yep. nice way to differentiate between the two seasons and the end of one versus straight the beginning of another. Yeah, and then I guess you you meet the source of firebending mm-hmm. in four episode fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I just so I always ab- season three. three. Yeah, I always appreciated how they would find some kind of way of showing some kind of form or relation to the or, or like the origins of the different bending styles. I just like how they didn't do it in the same way throughout the season. Yeah. They did it in the end, not even just the end, the middle, beginning, or beginning, middle, end, but they did it, like, one, three episodes, or four episodes after after another, and then, like, 20-something episodes later in another, in mm-hmm. another season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So both 
both sides are able to to make it out. Um, there's a nice little moment between um, Momo, Momo and mm-hmm. Appa, and it's kind of you get both of Aang's mentors, you know, his his animal guide and his and Monkey Atso kind of yeah you know, being reunited. Some- so, nice. Sorry, I, I completely forgot about this, but also another really good moment of this um, episode was when they came, when uh, Appa saw the door and just ran the fuck towards it. He was like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> Appa's <laughs> like, it's God, me! space. <laughs> like even uh, Katara yeah. and Aang, they're just like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, at the end, I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Anyone anyone figure out what I just did? Don't anyone freak out, but I think this guy might be the Avatar. Hmm. <laughs> Suspicious look. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, I... This and this is kind of how I like how I feel. Like we get we get to the end of the episode and, and the nomads are, are walking away and you know singing you know singing this song and like I I just I can't help but love it. Like I can't help but love this episode. I have problems with it. I have less problems with it now after we talk through Iroh. But like I have issues with the episode. It's not. It's certainly far from perfect. But I can't help but love it. Mm-hmm. Something also I really like when they. I actually really like how they leave off with the nomads. Like, yeah, you want to come with us? No. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's just, great. it's simple and clean. Don't... It's not an elaborate, like, we missed you so much. Like, it's just, nope, going our way. Nope. See, that's how I kind of felt about this yeah. episode ending is, okay, do you want to come with us? Nope. Okay, bye. Okay. I was like, okay, that's how I feel about this episode. <laughs> okay, it was good. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Bye. Um,. All right, so the last final question I want to talk about before we wrap up this episode. Um, the obvious, the actual end of the episode, we get Sokka, you know, giving his little speech. They get, and we see the, we see Omashu, and obviously we, we see that Omashu has been taken over by the Fire Nation. Do you guys think that, that, that this fits at the end of the episode? Because I, I have heard and I, from other, from people who have talked about this episode that they say that they feel like this kind of, is very disjointed from from an episode that's all about you know the des- the, the journey and, and guitar's romance etc cetera, etc cetera. and then it's like oh yeah the fire nation has taken over cliffhanger for next week what's going on and i'm curious how you guys feel about that Lindsay, why don't you start us off? i really don't have a problem with it i think it's actually a good way of ending the episode because for i feel like for them to just say goodbye to the nomads and just walk off into the sunset i i feel like i act i don't know it's like it just doesn't fit for some reason it's too happy yeah it would be too happy and i and i think honestly because we i think it's also really interesting because clearly we we've seen the fire nation in this area we learned about the history of omashu and how it was actually a city designed for unity and for creating peace and at the end of the episode they go over the hill and this city that we just like we knew about it but now we just learned like the origins of it now it's taken over by the fire nation it just it just throws you for a loop and i think that's a really good i i think that's really good it just it doesn't go for the stereotypical like yep and they were on their way to amashu the end like no that's not yeah yeah 
All right, Charles. Um, yeah, I don't really have issues with it. I, I know some people really dislike cliffhangers, but Avatar is especially a show that does not do this uh, super frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the occasions where it does happen are like two-part episodes, so it's whatever that's you know par for the course for those in any kind of show. But um, mm-hmm. in this case, it's like. Yeah, I don't mind, because as uh, Linz was saying, we just spent, at least part of this episode was dedicated to you know, the history of the city, and we're thinking, um, oh, this is what it's going to be like when we get there. I do enjoy the fact that they put this in here just to like shift our expectation uh, for the next episode, because otherwise you would just think, oh... Aang's going to start learning earthbending now, but now it's like, wait, there's actually a clear and present danger here? So, something mm. different's gonna happen. Ooh, intrigue. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yep. Matt? I pretty much agree. I mean, I think that it would have been a bit of an injustice to, for a return to Amashu if it just started with all of a sudden, by the way, here's Amashu with all this metal everywhere clearly taken, being taken over by the Fire Nation and then them going directly into it. So I think it would have been kind of a waste of an intro for the following episode. So I like the fact that they did the cliffhanger here, but also the main point of this entire episode was it's about the journey, not the destination. And then they get to the destination and it's not at all what they were expecting or it's a surprise mm-hmm. or they realize that it's going to be way tougher than it was than they thought it was going to be because even when they think something is a stronghold or a fortress so to speak it still is at a significant threat mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, the, the line in the next episode is bossing say is the last great earth, earth kingdom stronghold left which once again ties into my original statement whereas as this is a foreshadowing season episode for the entire season two crammed into 20 minutes mm-hmm. yeah I, I i agree with you guys i i don't personally i don't have a problem with it at all um i just know that's a criticism that does come up and i understand why like there are some like questions tonally that you have an episode that's all like all about all like a bunch of different themes and then to some degree you kind of have this like epilogue to you know the last like 30 seconds that is completely different and to some degree does like kind of take over this episode like in your mind you're going to kind of think of this episode obviously you know the secret tunnel and stuff but it's secret like tunnel. that last moment that last image of omashu is going to stick on your head but i i think it's fine i think matt's right that it it sets up the next episode well so so i i don't i don't have a problem with it at all mm-hmm. i just i know it's criticism that comes up and i want to sort of see how you guys felt about it so with that we are going to wrap wrap sorry wrap, wrap, wrap things wrap. up um and because we, we have a guest i will do a quick primer on our rating system so we are rating episodes between zero and ten a five being an average episode of television a ten being perfect um and a zero being utterly dreadful so and we again we are rating against all of television not just avatar so that you know is an important thing to keep in mind um so Lindsay, why don't you start off give us your final thoughts on this episode and your so as i've clearly made uh quite well known i love this episode I love the uh, the nomads, the relationship they have with Sokka. The um, it, it's just from the artistic style, especially in the Omashu section, too, is just amazing. I think 
honestly, like, the comedic timing of this episode is just perfectly on point. Like, it's just always so well done. Shows us the badger moles, the development of earthbending. Um, we, we, we talked a lot about Iroh and Zuko. I think they actually may have been, like, the weakest point of the episode, in my opinion. Just with their character development, or lack thereof, actually. Um... And so I'm going to have to say that I give this episode an 8.76. And I. And I. <laughs> Charles. That, that is interesting, actually. Uh, <laughs> no, just this point of reference lens was not on our last episode. So, discussion and mm-hmm. um, that episode, I think. We averaged out at an 8.5, if I remember right, between me, Mark, and... Mm, there's a little... I think it might have been a little lower than that, because I gave it, like, a 7.5. Oh, you gave it a 7.5? Oh, I yeah. thought you gave it, like, an I 8. Think. Oh, alright. Um, okay, so, in the context of that, uh, I actually enjoyed the last episode more than this one. Uh, I appreciate that mm. this was purely comedic... Or not... Comedic-focused with, um, yeah. you know, less sprinkled in between. Um, that being said, like, maybe it's just me, I've never been, like, big on stoner humor. Eh. <laughs> it's not, not my thing. I'm, like, a dry British humor kind of person, so. <laughs> Why not both? If you can find me dry, stoner, <laughs> British humor, I would be 100% in. Challenge accepted. No, I have an answer to that. What? What? Sean of the Dead. I enjoy that a lot, actually. Yeah. So, yes. That's dry, British, stoner humor. Yes, I, I enjoyed that. And it's a great yeah, movie. I enjoyed that Fantastic movie a movie. lot. So. Don't forget Hot Fuzz in that case. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, all, the, all those. Um... Uh, but that being said, like it's a good episode all in all. I just enjoyed the last lesson last week's. I'd probably give it an eight point four or so. Can I change my number? Because sure. I originally said eight point six, but eight point six. I, I, I feel like the number nine point three just feels more Whoa. right. Oh, yeah. that's pretty high. Right. It just feels more right. <laughs> Matt. All right. Well, then I'm going to be the downer of this group and give it of course a you are. horrendous 7.2304. <laughs> that's a lot okay. of numbers. That's <laughs> still not horrendous. I mean, a set above a 7 says you think this was very good. I mean, as you know, Which is fine. I I'm... do enjoy me some quality stoner humor. I like dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. I like stupid people. I like it when people get messed up by the elements. So there are many things this episode that do appeal to my broad set of indulgences. All and mm-hmm. the as we have also discussed, the Iroh and Zuko scenes are definitely among the weakest. But there's also a lot going on this episode in terms of the stoner hippies just also, just as a contradiction to kind of the 
most of the side characters that you get throughout the entire series. Because you very mm -hmm. rarely get... Other than, like, you get some of the people in the swamp that are like that, but you don't get many people that are just kind of off in their own world, doing their own thing, regardless of whatever issues are existing by the fact that there's a giant international war that's been raging for a hundred years. What? Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Say what now? So, so I did enjoy this episode. I liked the fact that it subtly set up so many things, or at least I found it to when I was watching it. So that was one of the major, one of the big things for me. Was it my favorite mm -hmm. episode? I would have to very easily say no, it was not. But I did definitely enjoy yeah. it. And as with many episodes of The Last Airbender, I found it to be better than your average all TV show. Certainly. Um, yeah, to me, this episode, as I said, like, there are problems with this episode, for sure, but I love it. The episode I'm going to compare this the most to is Fortune Teller, um, the episode, obviously, where our podcast got our name. Um, an episode that I think is, like, very, obviously, they're also very comedic and does some things really well, also pretty heavy on the Katang shipping. Um, I think these episodes are, like, kind of fit in the same place. I think, overall, the... Like, moment to moment, the um, stuff in 14 was better. Um, I don't think there's any downers in that episode like there is with Iroh and, you know, a few moments here. But I think the highs in this episode are better because, the, this, as I said, the stuff inside the tomb is, is truly, like, a spectacular two minutes of television. Um, and, like, that scene in and of itself is, is, is incredible. So I gave that, that episode an 8.5. I'll give this episode an 8.5. I think that they're they're pretty comparable in terms of what they are, and that's that's how I feel. Um, I, I think this is probably the episode I've had the hardest time uh, pulling my own personal, like, I love this episode, away from the critical how good is this episode because I it's, it, it is hard for me to, like, say things I, that are problematic about this episode because I love it so much, but at the same time, there are problems, so it definitely is. You know, it's it's you know, it's certainly far. The the team. singing makes um, up for me. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's fine. I mean, I mean, hey, it's all how mm -hmm. you know how you feel. Um, all right, so with that, we are going to close out our show. This has been thoughts from Aunt Wu. We have been discussing the Cave of Two Lovers. If you hadn't picked that up, uh, I want to thank my panel. Thank you to Lindsay and uh, Charles. Whatever your not name Corey. is, that other fella, Charles, Corey. not Corey. Fuck you to Corey, who's not here. Uh, I want to thank Matt for coming on as our guest. We uh, we always appreciate having guests on. And as per usual, you can follow us on social media. You can listen to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at AuntWu underscore pod. That's twitter.com slash AuntWu underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm stack underscore mode. That's S-T-A-C underscore M-O-D-E. Um, I tweet out some various fun things about Avatar, about Starcraft, about when I'm drunkenly casting Plot <laughs> Diamond All-In Tournaments, which will be tomorrow. Um, so I hope everyone can have some fun with that. Uh, next week we will be back talking about Return to Omashu and really getting into the, the meat of Book 3. So we're, uh, we're moving right along. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you guys for being on the show. 
and we will see you next week. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Secret, 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 secret tunnel. And die. And die, better more.